Well, as Will said, um, we're kind of summarising, coming to a, a bit of a conclusion um, in this kind of mini-series. We've been looking particularly recently at the Sermon on the Mount. So that's chapters 5 to 7 of Matthew. And I'm just going to give you a really quick recap, okay? Um, and then we will find out what these cups of tea going cold are doing. Okay. So the Sermon on the Mount begins, chapter 5, verses 2 to 11, the Beatitudes. You're probably quite familiar with them. Um, things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. If you've got your Bible, this is a great place to be following it through. Um, chapter 5, we then get into all the really nitty-gritty stuff about the law, murder, adultery, lust, divorce, and oaths. It's all good fun. And then verse 44, that well-known verse, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Chapter 6, we see the Lord's Prayer, verses 9 to 13. And in verse 20, Jesus says that well-known verse again, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Verse 33 to 34, seek first his kingdom and righteousness. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And then we go into chapter 7, judging others. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Chapter 7, verse 12, the golden rule. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Verse 13, the narrow and the wide gates. Verses 15 to 23, true and false disciples. Boom. Now, that is a sermon and a half, okay? Um, now, Jesus has spoken all of that to his disciples. We've taken weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks to dive into that. But Jesus did it one big go, as far as we can tell, and just gave them all of that. And then into that context, he concludes. And he says, to be truly wise... Don't just hear all of that. Don't let all of that, that go in one ear and out the other. Do it. Do all of those things. Tea and biscuits, I know. It's going to seem a bit random. Can I get six volunteers? Um, maybe especially any of our young people want to help. Or if we've got any of our non-British um, brothers and sisters here who really want to get involved in a very British um, tradition here of dunking biscuits into cups of tea. Can I get any volunteers? You might be able to then drink the cup of tea, if that, if that persuades you. Yeah, yeah, come on, I know I heard some American accents, yeah. Okay, I need four more. Come on, guys, you can have a cup of tea afterwards. It might be a little bit cold, but... No, you don't need to drink it. All you have to do, perfect. No, 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 Freddie, come up. Come up. <laughs> right, come up, come up. You need to each stand behind a cup of tea and pick a biscuit. Pick a biscuit, any biscuit. Okay, uh, what biscuits have we got? We've got a malted milk. Oh, such an underrated biscuit, a malted milk. Um, a, a nice biscuit. Anyone, anyone a big fan of a Nice biscuit? No, you're wrong. They're the worst ones. Um, in the middle, we've got the custard cream. Anyone for a custard cream? The bourbon. That's my personal favourite, yeah? We've got, oh, a shortcake biscuit. Oh. And then, Freddie, a rich tea. A rich tea. Now, what we're going to do... It's not chocolate, unfortunately, no. Now, we, we've all, okay, asked the question, 
which biscuit has the best structural integrity to be dunked into a cup of tea, right? <laughs> now, I have to say, these cups of tea made by the one, my wonderful assistant, Selena. Where is she? I can't see. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, they might be a little bit cold, but hopefully it'll be all right, okay? So what we're going to do, if you can all stand around your cup of tea, we're going to go basically like this. Ready? Just watch me first. Okay, we're going to go dunk, two, three, up, and wait. And then we're going to go again, okay, on my command. Are you ready? Everybody see? We're going to go dunk, two, three, up. How are we going? Good. And dunk, two, three, up. Still going? And dunk, two, three, up. Oh, this is good. Oh, I can, see, I can see the shortcake getting a bit weak over there. Ready, and dunk, two, three, up. Oh, what have we lost? We lost the knees. Oh, and the malted milk. Guys, you can eat, you can finish your biscuit. And the bourbon's gone, and the custard cream. The rich tea has won. Wow. Right, guys, if you would like to, you can eat your biscuit and your cup of tea, or feel free to... Feel free to leave it there. I know, but you know what? Sometimes that's the best bit. Get to the bottom of your tea and you've got, got a free half a digestive, you know? So guys, our new metaphor, okay, today. The biscuits all... Uh, in my opinion, maybe apart from the Nice biscuit, I'm just not a fan of them. But they all look delicious from the outside, yeah? But inside, they're made of very different stuff. They've all got different structural integrity. And it's only when they're dunked in a good cup of tea... Hi, baby. Sorry, I can't. This is my little boy. And he just started walking, and it was very cute. Sorry, I was very distracted. Um, it's only when we go and dunk them in a cup of tea we realize what they're really made of. Are you following the metaphor? Yeah? It's not too far-fetched, I hope. Um, has anybody seen the program on Netflix called Is It Cake? Yeah. yeah, it's as ridiculous as it sounds, okay? People make things out of cake that look like real things, and then the whole point... <laughs> now, I've only got this from the trailer. I haven't actually watched it. The whole point of the show is that you look at it and go, is that cake? Or is it actually, like, give me an example, a burger? A handbag. A handbag. And then they go and cut into it, and you think, oh my gosh, it was cake all along. It wasn't even a handbag. <laughs> Things can look really impressive from the outside. Things can look like they would be strong, like you could depend on them, like they're not going to fall apart, like it's going to stand really strong and be really helpful. But when it's put to the test... It's just cake. So as we talk about foundations today, I also want to give you a couple of other words that might be helpful just to think through some of these ideas. Our foundations, as Jesus was talking about in the passage, um, the rock and the sand, we might also think of it a little bit like dependencies, the thing that we are putting all of our trust and dependency on. Or maybe even idols, the things that we have put on a pedestal in our life and built our whole lives around, only for it to come crashing. I wonder if you've had times in your life 
where you didn't even realize that something had become everything to you. And then it might be that some, some external thing happened and came along, stripped everything away, took that one thing that you loved and cherished and depended on, and then suddenly you realize that actually you're left with nothing. I know I've had an experience like this, um, actually not too long ago, where I suddenly realized that all of my faith, all of my joy and my trust was put in something temporary, something that was flawed and something that was not as strong as a rich tea biscuit. Um, it was not in Jesus. And it was only when that, the, the storm came, when things happened, that I realized that all of all of my foundation was built on something not strong enough to withstand. Now, I also, I don't know if people here um, might know of Ravi Zacharias. That's right, I'm going there. Church leaders, um, people, big names, big preachers, who sometimes people will come to faith through their amazing teaching. That's not a bad thing at all. But if your entire faith is built around one person and that person isn't Jesus, eventually you'll come to a point where you realize that that person is just as flawed as you. And in the case of Ravi Zacharias, unfortunately, so much came out after he passed um, that it left people who became Christians through his teaching, it left them thinking, well, what am I standing on then? Because all of my faith was put onto what he said. And actually, he turned out to be, yeah, as flawed as anyone, deeply flawed. Um, and there was a lot of pain around that situation. And so it can be very easy sometimes to put all of our faith and all of our trust, all of our dependencies, and make idols out of people or whole church ministries, thinking kind of, back in the day, Billy Graham or like Nicky Gumbel and Alpha, you know, those kind of people, we think, yeah, I really love what they say. That's great. And do you know what? That's not a bad thing, like I said. But as soon as our faith becomes all about what this one person is saying, and if that person isn't Jesus, eventually we'll be let down. We'll go sinking to the bottom of the cup of tea. We'll realize that our faith is built on nothing but cake. Like I said before, it's a little bit like things go in one ear and out the other sometimes. And that's what Jesus is saying in this passage. He's saying, don't let all that I've taught you go in one ear and out the other. Let it go in the ears and really take root. Take root. So another metaphor, again, we see in Psalm 1, is the wise man is like a tree planted by streams of living water. You know, we all often use that image of a tree and its roots going really deep into the ground. We want those roots to take hold in our heart when it comes to Jesus' teaching. Jesus describes it as being foolish to, to let it go in one ear and out the other, to hear but then not even do anything about it. Why, why is it so easy then for it to go in one ear and out the other? It might be this morning that what I'm saying to you is going in one ear out the other, and I don't blame you because sometimes it's hard on a Sunday morning to pay attention. 
I'm sure that you've been in many situations where you've, you know, maybe been on a course for work or in school or in college, at university, and you suddenly realize that actually you haven't been really paying attention. And I wonder if any of Jesus' disciples sat there on the mountain and, and he suddenly said, now do all of this. The wise man puts all of this into practice and they, they wake up and go, oh, uh, probably should have been listening then. It's a good job it's written down for us, eh? So why is it so easy? Is it that we're forgetful? Is it that all of us here have heard those sermons that we've been listening to in the last few weeks and months, but we never actually have taken the time to think, well, what's God saying to me through that? Are we forgetful? Are we proud, thinking, well, yeah, Jesus' teachings are all well and good, but, you know, I think I'm doing pretty well myself. Are we apathetic? Do we just think, you know, I just don't really care? Are we busy? Why does it go in one ear and out the other so often, for myself included? Why does Jesus' teaching not land in my heart and take deep roots there? Like I said, Jesus said it's foolish to hear and not do. Why is it foolish to hear and not do? Why can't that just be the easy thing? Why is it foolish? Because his teachings are helpful. And sometimes that might be hard to believe because his teachings are so countercultural sometimes. You think it should be like, you know, um, let me find the reference so I don't get it wrong. You know, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I'm sorry, what? You're telling me to love my enemies, the people who, who bully me or who mock me? You're telling me to pray for those people? That kind of teaching is a little bit countercultural. But believe it or not, Jesus' teachings are helpful and good for our lives. How do we know that? Because it's Jesus who is teaching. Now that might seem, you know, a bit counterintuitive, but we know from reading the gospels, from praying and getting to know him for ourselves that Jesus is worth all of our listening and all of our doing. He is worth being the foundation of our lives. So again, are we forgetful? Is that why it goes in one ear out the other? Well, I want to say that Jesus is worth our intentionality to remember and be mindful of his teachings. Are we proud? Jesus is worth our humility. We just sang he's worthy of it all. He's worth our humility that comes and says, actually, I don't know what I'm doing. Lord, help me. Is it that we're apathetic? He's worth our passion. He's worth that drive. Is it that we're busy? Jesus is worth our time. Why? Because he is worthy of it all, as we just sang. He is worthy of it all. He is the one God incarnate, the exact imprint of God the Father. He came, he sacrificed his life for us on a cross so that we could be in right relationship with God. And the story didn't end there. Three days later, he rose from the grave showing once and for all that he had defeated death. He is worthy of it all. 
He is worth our intentionality to remember his teachings. He's worth our humility to say, actually, I don't know what I'm doing. He's worth our passion, our deepest fire that sets our whole souls on fire. He's worth our time, our energy, and our resources. I'm just coming to wrap up now. Um, I want to share this quote I found by Andy Stanley. Um, he's a, a church pastor in America. And he said this, Your future, not just your present, but your future, is built upon a foundation. If you don't start with a solid one, anything you build on it will not stand. It might look impressive. It might look as good as the next person's foundation. But it won't stand when things come. Your future is built upon a foundation. Whether you like it or not, whether you do it intentionally or not, your future is built on something. It's built on the things that you give your intention to or your humility to or your time and your passion to. It is built on a foundation. So what's that foundation going to be? Is it going to be cake? <laughs> is it going to be the weak and crumbly things of life? Is it going to be people, places, whole ministries even, or, or anything, hobbies, that actually are ultimately as flawed as anyone and anything? I think you probably all know the answer to this. But I want to tell you this morning that Jesus Christ is the only sure foundation that you could ever have, ever. Because he is God. And God, by definition, does not change. He is the one constant in your life and in my life. Now, you might be sat here feeling like, well, I know actually that, God, that Jesus isn't my foundation. I've put my trust in other things and I've been let down. Well, firstly, let me tell you that there is so much grace in that. He wants to be your foundation. And so like the story of the prodigal son, he comes running at you. He comes running with a warm embrace saying, don't worry, child. Let me just be your foundation from now. Today is the day we can make a change. Or like I said, you might be feeling hurt by things that have been your foundation in the past that have let you down. And that's a really painful place to be. Like, I've been there, trust me. It's so hard when you feel like everything is stripped away and you're left with nothing. Again, there is so much grace, so much healing in that. Jesus wants to step into that place where you are, surrounded by you know, all of the stuff that's come crashing down. He wants to stand with you in that and help you rebuild. Two things I really want to encourage you to do this week um, uh, three things, actually. Um, and then we're going to go into a time of prayer. Reread for yourself chapters 5 to 7. Reread those things that Jesus says, now go and do it. It will take you like 10 minutes, max. Reread chapters 5 to 7 of Matthew. That's the Sermon on the Mount. Just go away and spend some time reading it. Because at the end, that's what Jesus says, now go and do it. <laughs> and that's what will make you truly wise. So I implore you this week to spend some time looking at those passages again. Um, a couple of like, really popular uh, worship songs that we sing here, uh, 
Pat Barrett, how and I'm sure well are likely to be familiar to you. Um, Build my life. Pat Barrett, House Fires. I'm not going to sing them to you now. Um, that would not be good for anyone. Um, and Cornerstone by Hillsong. Christ Alone, Cornerstone. Um, I, they're amazing songs. If you just want to take some time this week to just take a minute or two, put those songs on, and just reflect and ask God again to come into your life and be that cornerstone. Um, I should have said that idea of cornerstone is, is quite present in the New Testament and in Paul's writings especially, um, the cornerstone being the kind of the central piece, the main block of the foundation that then everything else kind of centers around. So that's why we sing Christ alone, cornerstone. One of those things we probably just sing and don't give much thought to, but that idea of the cornerstone is so integral. Um, yeah, and so then the last thing. Um, so reread chapters five to seven if you can. Have a listen to Build My Life, Housewives. Is that what it's called? Build My Life? I think so. Cornerstone by Hillsong. And then lastly, maybe go and do some research on what it means for Christ to be the cornerstone. Um, in particular, you can look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, so if you're making notes or anything, those are the things to write down, to go away and try and do this week in an effort to really refocus and invite Jesus to be the cornerstone, the firm foundation of your life. Let's just take a moment and pray together.